Podcasting from Singapore and broadcasting all around the world. You're listening to the EdTech Chat Podcast, taking the pulse of educators from all over the globe and bringing what you need every week. Now, over to your host, Craig Kemp. Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the EdTech Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Kemp, and I'm thrilled to have your support. I continue to work with the incredibly talented Mark Quinn to improve the final audio quality of this podcast. He has his own podcast production studio that provides editing and mastering services to content creators. To connect with Mark, please see the details in the podcast notes below. It's so exciting to reach the milestone of 30 episodes. Thank you so much to the hundreds of you that listen every week and support us by sharing to your colleagues and subscribing to the EdTech Chat podcast. As I've mentioned before, I've grown my Ignite EdTech consultancy team to include some of the best EdTech leaders from all over the globe. Each week, I want to take a few minutes to introduce a new member of our team that you may like to chat to about supporting you in your school or company. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce you to David Lee. Let's have a listen to our chat. Thank you so much for joining me today, David. As a valued member of the Ignite EdTech consulting team, you work with schools all over the world to help them thrive in many different ways. Tell us a little bit about your current role, your experience, and your areas of expertise. Yeah, thank you for having me. I started as a technology teacher, and I quickly uh, became an EdTech coach to help teachers integrate technology meaningfully. Uh, And then I started a STEM program in my last school uh, where it combined design thinking, STEM, project-based learning, and also makerspaces into one experience that students got to do every day. It was in a side program or anything like that. So that was really exciting. Um, Currently, I am at Singapore American School. I'm part of the tech and innovation team. And um, I do digital literacy, digital citizenship, but also help um, integrate STEM as well as equip students with design thinking skills. Um, A lot of project-based learning right now. Nice. Thanks for sharing, David. I know I see the work that you do on social media. It's really inspirational. And I know you've got a book as well. And I know that's read by many people all over the world to sort of get them into that frame of mind, because it's a niche area of expertise that a lot of people don't have. And that's, I guess, the reason why people jump at your level of expertise as well. Right now in education, David, what are you most passionate about? I'm most passionate about basically equipping students with mindsets and competencies that I felt my education didn't really focus on. My education was really about just gaining knowledge. Looking back at it, I feel like that didn't really help me um, to be successful outside of the education system. It helped me to be successful somewhat in education. Uh, but leaving the that system, uh, you find that competencies, uh, the 21st century you know, skills that everyone talks about. Also having specific mindsets that help you be be innovative and help others be innovative as well. Um, I think that's what I'm super passionate about and also excited that education is moving towards that movement. Tell us about a time, David, when you helped others succeed and thrive. I would say uh, in in the past, with some of the consulting I've done, um, specifically with a school in the States, it's been really valuable to have a design thinking background and to really empathize with the school and gain a real context of the school and then providing services for them, but really providing a tailor-made service that helps the school. How do you help schools as a consultant and how would schools and edtech companies benefit from working with you? I think it goes back to that um, design thinking 
uh, background, really understanding the context, uh, where the company is or where the organization is at that moment, and then helping them develop and improve. I think I think consulting sometimes has a bad rap. Is is um, is when consultants come in, they provide, they educate people, and then they leave uh, without understanding that context, and also not facilitating uh, that sustainability piece. You want to have them continue to use those practices that you have introduced to them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, David. A lot of the work that I know you and the rest of the Ignited Tech team do is all about that sustainable approach to making sure that when we leave your school, that you can sustain it and continue it on and really thrive in the work that you're doing. For more information about David and the rest of the Ignite EdTech consulting team and how to inquire, visit igniteedtech.com slash our team. The link is in the description below. Thank you so much for joining me today, David. Thanks for having me. Thank you for your questions that you continue to send in. This week, I wanted to discuss one question from Alicia in Dubai. She asked, what well-being programs do schools offer to best support student learners in the digital space? I see so many schools paying lip service to digital well-being, but no one being thorough enough. Any help is greatly appreciated. Thank you for your question, Alicia. As I think about well-being, particularly at the moment, I see the importance of a program that doesn't just focus on digital citizenship, but digital wellness. The importance of a well-rounded digital wellness program is critical to the development of our learners. Our learners and teachers are connected online more than they have been ever before, and we need to support their well-being in ways that we have never planned for. I've recently chatted with my friend and colleague, Heather Bernard, about this, and she's been doing some research and training into the development of a well-rounded digital wellness program. She can be contacted on Twitter by following at TechStarTeacher. I encourage you to connect and engage with her. Her link is in the description below. The other suggestion I have is to check out the company ClanBeat. They're a startup company out of Estonia who have developed an amazing app that helps support, track, and manage student well-being and make significant improvements during this. They're looking for schools to trial their solution and give them feedback that can inform development. For more, visit ClanBeat.com and sign up for free today. I've seen several schools using ClanBeat of late with their middle school and high school learners, and it's proving to be extremely popular and rewarding. If you have a question that you'd like answered in this segment, please send it through to me. My contact details are in the podcast notes below. A tool that has positively impacted the authentic and purposeful use of technology into classrooms and meeting rooms that I have worked in is Canva. Over the past five years, I've used Canva to help easily create graphics and illustrations for my classroom, for presentations, and for my What Is School chats every week. Canva is a graphic design platform used to create social media graphics, presentations, posters, documents, and other visual content. The app already includes great templates, or you can start from scratch on your own. The platform is free to use, but offers paid subscriptions like Canva Pro and Canvas for Enterprise for additional functionality. I highly recommend that you take a look at canva.com. The link is in the description below. Last week, we talked about edtech companies and how to work with them for the greater good of education. If you're interested in learning more, go back and listen to last week's podcast episode. This week, I wanted to spend some time talking about the importance of taking time out from edtech tools. As a teacher and edtech leader, I'm an advocate for the authentic and purposeful use of edtech tools to enhance learning and add value to every aspect of what we do. However, I'm so busy in all aspects of my life, just as you are in your school, that sometimes I need to stop, ask myself my why, and then reevaluate the tools I'm using. Sometimes this requires a reboot, 
and a step back away from technology. Regularly, I do this both professionally and in personal life, even if it's just for a few hours. The act of taking a brain break from technology is something that's both mentally and physically rewarding, and I challenge you to give it a go. Don't get me wrong, I'm nowhere near perfect, but I'm giving it a good go. I try to be better every day and focus time and energy where it needs to be focused. I make sure that I take breaks away from devices so I can spend time with my family and friends and reconnect with what's important to me. Within a school, this includes ideas such as device-free days and device-free lessons with an emphasis on learning happens everywhere and devices are not the only way for us to learn and create. I love emphasizing and explicitly teaching creativity, both with devices and without. What do you do to explicitly teach creativity and provide opportunities for your students to be creative, while at the same time having opportunities to be tech-free for learning? I look forward to hearing from you soon. Each week, I bring you a short interview with some of my edu heroes, an engaging learning experience with someone who makes a difference in education every day, with a particular focus or angle towards educational technology. This week, I had the pleasure of chatting with Thomas Murray. Let's have a listen to the chat. Today, I have the honor of speaking with Thomas Murray. You might know him as at Thomas C. Murray on Twitter with over 54,000 followers. And yes, he is Blue Tick certified. Thomas and I have been connected online for a long time now, and I'm constantly inspired by his tweets. Thomas is based in the U.S. and serves as the Director of Innovation for Future Ready Schools in Washington, D.C., he has testified before the United States Congress and has worked alongside that body, the U.S. Senate, the White House, the U.S. Department of Education and State Departments of Education, corporations and school districts to implement student-centered learning. Thomas, it's an incredible pleasure to have you on the show today. Are you ready to talk about education and technology integration? Uh, Craig, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Let's go. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your current role and what inspires you to do what you do? Great. Well, thanks again for having me on. And I'm excited to talk anything about education because anytime I get in front of educators, whether it's on a great podcast like this, standing on a stage, working side by side, it's truly an honor. And whether that educators in the United States, somewhere in Europe, somewhere on your side of the world, wherever it might be, it's an honor because I recognize it's those people that pour their lives into other people's children. And so for those of you listening, thank you for your work and thank you for what you do every single day. So in my day job, I run something in the United States called Future Ready Schools. It's free. We raise a lot of money each year through grants and through other uh, sponsorships and those kinds of things to do the work that we do for free. So meaning, you know, we really were an equity focused organization and we recognize that if we charge school districts for leadership development, culture uh, and climate development, those kinds of things, we know which districts would be able to afford it and which, which districts couldn't. And so we raise money each year to be able to work with superintendents, principals, and others across the board to be able to support their own growth and ultimately the transformation of their school districts. And so I've been doing this now for about five and a half years since the, the very beginning of Future Ready Schools. Prior to that, I worked in a school district um, in Pennsylvania in the United States. And I was there for 15 years as a teacher at the elementary level, a teacher at the middle level, uh, a principal at the secondary level, a principal at the elementary level, and then over at our district office, which is kind of our central office area um, before getting recruited to go to Washington, D.C. And so in my day job, that's what I'm supporting. Typically, typically administrators uh, leading the work, trying to challenge their mindsets, but also to support uh, the types of opportunities that they create for all students. You know, again, equity being the, the center of that work, making sure 
that all really does mean all. And as we say, kind of making sure a, a zip code doesn't determine one, you know, predetermine one's educational outcomes. But beyond that, I'm also an author, a speaker, and I get to work, um, you know, uh, alongside school and district leaders all across the country uh, here in the United States to support their work. Yeah, and, and totally inspiring as well. Not just what you've shared here, but from the daily interactions that I have with you on Twitter as well and get to read everything you're doing. Uh, it's it's pretty cool what you're able to do and the difference you're able to make. And if you don't follow Thomas, I highly encourage you to follow the links in the description below and, and click through and just have a little bit of a read about the work that he's doing. Thomas, what's your best advice for people listening today in relation to educational technology? Sure. So, you know, I've been working with EdTech for as long as I can remember, truly, from when I very first started teaching and I had a mentor across the hall that had these newer things called digital cameras and we could take these pictures and then get them onto our computers and then we could take pictures and put them in newsletters and it's I, I laugh about it now because it was you know decades ago at this point but that for me was a starting point to turn me on to learning to say wow I can do things differently I was uh, I think a second year teacher when we implemented one-to-one, so about 20 years ago, implementing one-to-one Palm Pilots. Remember those things? And I laugh about it now, you know, it was the beginning to mobility, but I saw the excitement in the eyes of students. I saw how, you know, when we can leverage educational technology, we can find new and different ways to leverage and tap student potential. But I would say this, my best advice for educators is to stay focused on our why, stay focused on our purpose, and not let the shiny tool get in the way of student learning. And there's often, you know, stories I'll tell around that where I messed that up, where I did something because it was the new shiny tool, or I tried to make a tool fit some lesson because the tool was flashy and it was new and it was cool. And I lost my purpose and my vision on that. So it's stay hyper-focused on the learning and making sure that if we're leveraging, and when we're leveraging ed tech, it's the right tool for the right job at the right point in time. It's not leveraging tools. Just because something is digital doesn't mean it's any good. And so, you know, I'm a huge fan of ed tech, but it's using it for the right, the right purpose at the right time and not doing it just so that we're digital. And I think that I lost my way at times with that when I was a teacher in the classroom or a principal. So I think it's really important to hyper-focus on that end goal and really stay lasered focused on the learning aspect, not just the digital tool. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there, I think, Thomas, as well. I always talk about the why. And, you know, Simon Sinek says people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And if you can't nail that justification on the head for that tech tool use, then don't use it at all. What about your daily work that you do, your day-to-day work? What's a tool that you love using that maybe the listeners out there haven't heard of before or uh, that it might really help them in their day-to-day work? Sure. For me, I, efficiency is is really key. And so, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. And for me, it's often feeling like I work full, two full-time jobs, kind of my day job out of Washington, D.C., as I was describing, and then the other stuff that I do around speaking and writing and whatnot. So efficiency and time management are key. And it's also very difficult at times for me to sync up with people. You know, I think here we are, different parts of the, of the world you and I are right now. And so I really love a tool called Voxer because it allows me to communicate with people all across the world 
in the time that works for me. And so it's really just a messaging app, but it's really through voice. And voice is absolutely the future. You know, when I walk into my home now, I'm talking to Google, turn the lights on, you know, put it in movie mode, uh, Google, like activate bedtime mode, like all those kinds of things. And I really think voice is the future, but I think it's number one also because of the efficiency of it. And, you know, time is really of the essence. And I know that educators value time because we time is something we can't create more of. And so things that make us more efficient, allow us to put our focus in areas that need it most. And so Voxer is a great tool for that. And we'll put the link to that in the description below as well. Learning is important to all of us, Thomas. What's one book or resource that you've been reading lately or just one of your all-time favorites? Tell us a little bit about why we should be exploring it. Sure. So um, I'll put one out. I actually just started in the past two days and it's really captured my attention. One of the things that's interesting is I actually read very few education books. And I know that sounds counterintuitive to somebody that's written a whole bunch of books uh, for education in that space, but I really enjoy reading books that are not written by educators but that I can learn a lot from. You know, you referenced Simon Sinek earlier in The Why, and I've read a lot of his books. You know, I've read the books of John Maxwell on leadership and, you know, people like that and around ideas and topics around failing forward or creating culture. And it's, you know, I, I certainly do read the educational side of things, but I really like to read books on business, books on leadership, books on organizational culture and those kinds of things to be able to really then turn and say, okay, what does this mean for education? How do we apply that? as principals, as superintendents, or whatever it might be. And a book that I just started is written by a friend of mine uh, called Raise Your Game. Now, Alan Stein Jr. is a friend of mine I just connected with in the last number of months. Alan has coached some of the greatest athletes in the world. He's been a coach to Kobe Bryant, to Kevin Durant, to Stephon Curry, to some of the household names in the NBA. And he is focused on this book of no matter where you are in your role, how do you raise your game? And it's really focused on things around mindset, controlling the controllables, and those kinds of things. And is it an education book? Nope. But is it 100% applicable to leading in a classroom or coaching teachers or whatever it might be? It absolutely is. And so my encouragement to, um, to educators or to those listening would be stretch your own comfort zones, because I think it's real easy, especially with books, especially with social media, as much as I'm a fan of all that stuff, put yourself in an echo chamber where you're hearing the same messages over and over and over. And it doesn't mean that that message is wrong or that it's bad. But look at it from a different viewpoint. Look at it from a different reference point. Look at it from a different maybe cultural background. People that have different, um, you know, different ways of thinking than you do, different positions, different life experiences than you do, and it'll challenge you to be a better person. And so I would encourage people to look outside of the educational world there as well. And on top of all of this, you've written your own books, as you alluded to. What inspired you to write them and why should we read them? Hey, I appreciate that question. And so, you know, I'll focus just, I, I have, um, I've been part of five different books. A handful of the books have been collaborations with other educators and those collaborations have been to raise money for certain causes. You know, we would dedicate a weekend or a couple of weeks to write a chapter and share those things out to raise money for like teen suicide prevention and those kinds of things. But I'll focus on my, my last two, which are probably my, my ones that are best known. Um, two, two books ago is a book called Learning Transformed. It's a bestseller with ASCD. I co-authored that with my good friend, Eric Scheninger. That book was written, <clears throat> we wrote that book, we sat down to say, you know, he and I both do a lot of the same type of work across the world, really, and it's working with school and district leaders on school transformation. And so that book was really 
big picture from research to practice. What are the big bucket areas? We call them eight keys to designing tomorrow schools today. And what are some of the big bucket areas? And what's the research behind why we need to change them? And then ultimately, what does it look like in practice? And so sometimes it's funny, I'll work with a school district and a superintendent will say, hey, should I buy that book for every teacher? And I almost laugh and say, listen, you're never going to hear this from an author but not that one. No, like that book is not intended because it's very high level. It's very about systems change. And it doesn't mean your average second grade teacher, you know, couldn't couldn't run with it by any means. And it's certainly not supposed to be a demeaning comment. It's just much drier and research based than the average, say, classroom teacher is looking for or wants to read. It's really research to practice. Whereas my last book, Personal and Authentic, um, actually seems like it's a completely different author because it's very much, I wrote that narrative and story. Um, it taps a lot of emotion in people uh, from what I've told, what I've seen, the comments that I see on social media, where I share a lot of <clears throat> even life experiences and ask, you know, kind of what's some of the, you know, inspiration behind it. So for instance, I'll just tell one piece to personal and authentic. You know, my daughter was born with very significant food allergies to the point that we almost lost her multiple times because of, because uh, of sesame was actually her top allergen. So you think breads, crackers, those kinds of things. Well, through some cross contamination at times, like we, we had hospital visits, EpiPens, you know, worried about losing her, worried about her breathing. And so part of the reason I share that is, you know, if my daughter walked into the classroom and looked at you, you would have no idea looking at her that that's something that's a daily struggle for her. That's something that's always on her mind. It's really become a way of life. And so I share a story in Personal and Authentic about how you know, my daughter had 35 days missed a school, 19 days tardy in about 15 months. And sometimes in working with educators, I'll ask them, so like, what are some judgments that we might make if we just look at the data? And we hear things like, you know, why are the parents disconnected? Why is the kid, are they lazy? They're probably low academically. Maybe they're bullied. You know, and they come up with all these reasons of like, why the student must miss that much school. And and then I share the story and I share like all the missed schools of these food allergy therapies that she had been going through and how she had been hospitalized for like literally less than one seat of sesame and how like we almost lost her that very first time because she couldn't breathe for minutes at a time because of her allergies. And then I tell her story about how on every one of those absences, she was two hours from our home undergoing this new innovative food allergy treatment called OIT, oral immunotherapy. And today, after those 14 months, today, she now eats 2,000 seeds of sesame, the equivalent of she does it through powder, but she eats it every single day to keep her safe. And so I share parts of that to say, like, here's a, a, a and I share it with my daughter's permission. She's 10 now, and she allows me to share it. But I share how here's a story on her heart something that consumes so much of her world, yet when she walks into a classroom, unless you knew part of her story, you would have no idea that that's on her mind and that's on her heart and how we can be so quick to judge as people. We can judge from appearance. We can judge by seeing a story and think it's, you know, looking at the dangers of just one single story. And it's recognizing that the stories that come to us from our students and our colleagues, like every one of us has it in the book, I call it the hidden stories within. And every one of us has that. It's the stories on our heart and maybe the really good things. Like maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're super excited because this weekend is going to be your anniversary. And even though you can't go out and do what you all plan to do because of COVID, maybe you're going to go out on your back porch and have a candlelight dinner with your spouse. And you're so excited to just have some downtime with your spouse. And nobody else that you know right now knows that. So it's one of the hidden stories on your heart. It doesn't mean that it's bad. 
but maybe the flip side is true. Maybe here you are listening to an educational podcast, trying to grow as an educator, yet at the same time, your heart's crumbling. Like maybe your marriage is falling apart. Maybe you're struggling with your own child. Maybe you're struggling with, and we could go on and on and on about just life issues with people and recognizing that the colleagues that we work with every day have stories within, the students that come to us every day have stories within, and it's so easy to lose sight of that. And it's why we have to focus on people before content. One of the things I wrote in Personal and Authentic is like, if we lose, um, you know, we've got to really focus on who we teach before what we teach, essentially, is really what it is. And so it's making sure that people and their stories and, and, and recognizing that we won't know all the stories of all the people around us, that's for sure. But it's why we need to leave with, uh, lead with an empathy lens. And so part of the reason that I was inspired to write that book is looking through the eyes of my two children and seeing like, what is it that... I believe is daddy they need in their world. How do I want teachers to look at them or to treat them, to see them, to push them, to encourage them, to inspire them? And then if I expect that for my own children, I need to be able to expect that for every other child that's out there. And so it's also meant to be a, a book of encouragement and inspiration for those people like as teachers and principals that work so hard every single day. It's a really cool story, Thomas. It really is. And, and I can't wait to read it myself. The link to all of your books are in the description below. What's the best way for the listeners to follow and connect with you? Sure. I'd really say on any social media tool, um, on Twitter, it's going to be Thomas C. Murray. On Instagram and Facebook, it's Thomas C. Murray EDU, just because Thomas C. Murray was already taken on that one. Um, but they can, if they can't find those for some reason, check me out on the website at thomascmurray.com. And everything and all my communication and connections are, are uh, linked off the website there. As always, totally inspiring, Thomas. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Next week, join me for episode 31 of the EdTech Chat podcast, when I'm joined by Steve Isaacs and Alex Quigley. One of the things I love doing is giving away prizes as a thank you for tuning in, listening, and hopefully subscribing to the EdTech Chat podcast. Last week, I gave away one hour of free consultancy support from the Ignite EdTech team. Learn more about the team at igniteedtech.com slash our team. The link is in the podcast notes below. To win, you need to complete the form at bit.ly slash edtechwin. The winner has already been contacted directly by me, and they are Sam Potter. Congratulations, Sam. This week, I'm giving away a copy of Thomas Murray's book. To win the book, you need to go to bit.ly slash edtechwin and complete the simple form. It'll take you less than a minute to do. The link is in the description below. Competition closes on Wednesday the 2nd of December and the winner will be contacted directly by me and announced on next Friday's podcast episode. Good luck. If you enjoyed today's episode, smash that subscribe button and share it with your colleagues, friends and families. I really do appreciate your support. Please remember to take two minutes as well to rate the podcast so we can reach even more educators and edtech enthusiasts globally. Please share your favorite parts of today's episode by tagging me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn. And don't hesitate to ask me questions that I can answer in an upcoming episode. Remember, you have the chance to win as well. So check out the links in the description for more. I'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the EdTech Chat Podcast. Creating a community for educators to learn, share, and grow. If you like today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss another episode. And be in the drawing to win prizes every week. If you know others that would enjoy the show, please hit that share button and brighten their day. Join us again next week for your weekly EdTech hit with at Mr. Kemp NZ. We'll see you again soon.